Welcome to Shades of You podcast, where we're going to be talking about life, love, and the lessons we've learned. And how we use our different perspectives to shape our relationship as an interracial couple and a blended family. What's going on, family? I'm Carrie. Hey, and I'm Kat. And today we're going to be talking about... Transitioning to LA. And chasing a dream, right? Yeah. All right, let's jump right in. So let's give a little backstory. You want to you take the lead in this one or how do you want to do it? Hmm. Um, actually I'd like you to, you were in LA first. I, well, maybe I can start with how I ended up in the States. Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. So, um, a previous relationship brought me to America. Let's back up even further. Where are you from? I'm from Canada. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that might be interesting. And yeah. Just let's give a little backstory. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm Canadian and, uh, Born and raised in Canada, have lived all over Canada for different reasons. I went to film school in one part of the country. I studied radio in another part of the country. I grew up in another part of the country. But I always had a feeling I was going to end up either in Toronto or in America. Okay. And I did both. So, and funny enough, I was always like, I'm going to move to America. And then one day I'll probably like meet my husband, which is pretty much exactly what happened. Oh. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was um, in a previous relationship that brought me down to California in 2011. Okay. And that when that relationship didn't work out, I had to make the decision like, am I, go- am I going to move back home to Canada or am I going to stay here where I had already built a life? Right. And I liked my life. I liked my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good paying job. I was working for uh, a biotech company. But um, even though that was a great job, it wasn't my dream job. I definitely have a background in entertainment and I wanted to get back into that. And I knew I could move back home, but that wouldn't necessarily help me to be happier. So I decided to stay. And then I decided that I wanted to trans- I wanted to transition from my good paying job in that field to something that was more suited to my personality and my dreams and aspirations. Okay. So let's talk about where are you from exactly in Canada? Like I need, I need the people because I don't think they really understand when you say from Canada, like I think you need to like paint the picture a little better. So like talk about your hometown, talk about like the size, you know, just so they understand. I mean, I'm from a small city in Saskatchewan. It's called Regina. And everybody usually laughs if when they hear it for the first time. Yes, it's they call it the city that rhymes with fun. <laughs> um, but this is a G-rated show. So, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up in Saskatchewan. It's above Montana, North Dakota. I went to film school. Uh, no, no, no. I went to university and I studied film. And then I quit about a year in and because I was like, you know what? I want to study film for real. Like I want to pick up a camera, not just sit in a class and be lectured to. Got it. So then I applied to a film school in British Columbia on the island okay. in Victoria. And I moved there and studied film and graduated. And then I worked in the film industry for a while. And then um, I made a transition into radio at one point. And this is all while you're in Canada, right? Yeah. Okay. And when I did that, 
I decided, you know what, it's good to have the education behind you. So I got into a program in Toronto at Humber College and I made the cross country trek again to move to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I lived there for a couple of years and studied and graduated from a program um, studying radio. And I worked in the radio industry for a while before moving down to California. When I say I moved to California, I didn't move right to Los Angeles. I moved to North County, San Diego. Okay. So when I did that, it was for, like I said, a previous relationship. And I, there's no, like, there were no radio opportunities there. There were no film and TV opportunities there. So I was forced to kind of... Just find a job. Find a job. Okay. But luckily I have some skills that allow me to do that that are transferable, so I was able to get a great job. Okay. And I did well, but it just wasn't feeding me It wasn't fulfilling. It it wasn't your passion. Correct. Okay. And then that relationship didn't work, and like I said, I decided to stay, and somehow I met this wonderful man Mm. who happens to be sitting next to me. That's more about that a little bit later. I like like where you're going, though. I like like what you just said. I felt a little warm and fuzzy. (laughs) I did a little shimmy like Steph Curry when he makes it three. Um, Um, Yeah, well, you know how we met? You want to tell the people how we met? Oh, Lord. She slid in my DMs. I mean, not... It was not like that. (laughs) You slid in my DMs. I paid you a compliment, and it was not... It was With nothing sexual. Ma- it was nothing motives. Like that. I was nah. just like, "Wow, you're super talented," and that's so, really what I all I meant by yeah. It. So like on social media, right? Like, so you commented on like one of my videos, and then I was like, "Yo, who is this? Yo, who is this girl that's commented on?" I didn't say girl. Like, can I say what I said? Oh God! I said, "Who is this white girl?" Uh. <laughs> I said, "Who is this white girl commented on my on my video?" And I went and I saw your eyes. I it saw me. a picture of your eyes. And I said, oh, my God. Then I saw, like, you were in San Diego. And I was like, that's only two hours from me. So that, that's doable. Mm-hmm. All right. So that we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, a little backstory on me. I am from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, was not born in Birmingham. I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm a military brat. Moved to Fort Lewis, Washington, where my dad did, I think he was on the the very back end of his career, did like three years. He retired. Then we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, where I did elementary, middle school, and high school. And um, so I claim Birmingham. That's uh, Everybody knows. If you look at any of my social media, everybody knows I I rep Roll Tide till I die. I rep Bama. Completely, like you. I mean, I've got hats, I've got sweatshirts, I've got t-shirts. I used to like when I was traveling as a musician. I, I used bought to carry you cologne. Like, cologne. I got a helmet. I got like a game system. Like people know that I rep the <laughs> Tide. When you're from Birmingham, you like we don't have a professional team, so college football is everything. So you have to pick or choose if you rather go for the other team, which is known as Auburn, or you want to go for the the champions, which is Alabama. So. Um, I roll with the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, Birmingham is in the south. Um, it's not a. It's not huge, like in comparison to LA and New York and other cities like that. But it's it's a decent sized city. Um, while I was there, um, I joined the army straight out of high school. So I go off to the army. I sign up for three years. My first enlistment is at Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, 
my last year of my first enlistment, 9-11 happens, which threw a monkey wrench in all of my plans because I was only going to the army for college money. I was mm-hmm. like, yo, let me grab this bag really quick. Let me make some money while I'm in. Let me do all my like my general studies. And so when I get out, I can just focus in on whatever major I wanted. Because when I when I started from high school, I was thinking, like, I'm just going to, you know, the, in the South, you have a mindset of you're going to come graduate, come back home and really kind of essentially put your roots in your hometown and, and just be in the community. For me, I was thinking about just being a history coach. I mean, a history teacher and being a basketball or football coach. That was like my aspirations, mm-hmm. um, even though um, I love music and I had other hobbies. But I was like the realistic kind of mindset of what I wanted to do was just like, oh, yeah, graduate, you know what I'm saying? Um, be a history teacher and coach basketball and coach football. Like I, Coach K, like I already had my whole <laughs> rundown. Like that's what I wanted to do. 9-11 happened. That changed all of my plans. Um, there was something called stop loss where I was unable to get out of the military. In my contract, the fine print says that they can involuntarily extend you up to eight years. So I'm thinking like, wow, um, what do I do? So the unit that I was in at Fort Benning was a highly deployable unit. And I knew that they were going to be one of the first units, if not the first unit to go to Iraq. And I was trying to figure out, you know, how can I work a loophole to get out of this situation? So I was like, hmm, why don't I reenlist? If I reenlist, if I go to Germany, which was a place that was already on my bucket list to go, if I go to Germany, I knew that like, you know, Kosovo might be like one of the options. And Kosovo is definitely no kind of threat in comparison to Iraq. So I'm thinking that, oh, why don't I just go? So I reenlisted, I go to Germany. I'm in Germany for six months. I go straight to the field. It's like straight training, 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 training. And we wind up relieving the unit that I just left at Fort Benning. So when mm. I saw the guys on the ground, they're like, bro, you could have just stayed with us because they only did six months. And so I wind up staying. Um, I, I was deployed with my unit in Germany. We wind up staying there in Iraq for 15 months. Wow. So I would always kick myself like, man, I should have just stayed. But in hindsight, it was a great experience. Got a chance to see all over Germany. I did do. I did deploy a lot um, being in Germany. But while I was in Germany, I got a chance to see a lot of different countries, got a lot of chance to travel and be exposed to the culture. So that was really cool. Get out. Um, I'm playing guitar all the whole while. I'm not like great, but I'm decent. I'm, I'm decent enough. Not anywhere close to the skill set that I have now, but I was decent enough to where people could see the potential. I say all that to say this. Um, I remember we were in Kuwait and we there was a talent show. And um, I believe the cash prize was like $500. Um, and I remember just saying, like, I wanted to enter in so bad. I, I had this passion. I had this fire that was burning down inside of me. Like, you got to do it. So I got a host of soldiers. I think it was maybe three or four of us. And we formed a band. I found a drummer. I was on guitar. Mind you, I cannot sing. But back in the day, I used to kind of sing a little bit. You not like sing. not like a singer-singer, but just enough to where you, you can kind of like yeah. hold the melody, hold the tune. So I don't want people to be like, oh, man, he can really sing. No, it's nothing like that. It, if you ask me to sing right now, you'd be crying because it's that bad. Not no, it's that's not, not true. It's people. not good. I'm just saying. I, but I do appreciate that I, it's for me. Yeah, I mean, I, if I sing for you, that's a that's a different level. That's like, you know, I'm really trying to woo you, like I'm trying to impress you, not like I'm trying to sing for the crowd to entertain the crowd. So, um, got a got a guy that can kind of rap. So, we were a very diverse band. 
Let's just say that I, I'm black. The guy that was singing, or I'm sorry, the guy that was rapping was white. So it was like he was rapping. I'm I'm singing. I got a drummer. So I was getting ready to go for this um, talent show. My sergeant major comes to me. He's like, Marshall, don't you get up there and embarrass the unit? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, sergeant major, like I, I, everything I love, we got this one. We gonna win this. Because, you know, there's a lot of unit pride. You got to, it's one of those, it's like different teams. So each unit is like a team that represented by a team and you, there's a lot of unit pride. Right. So we go up to do the talent show and we smash it. And I just, I felt so confident, like driving across the desert, having to pick up all the gear, pick up the different troops, go to the stage. It felt like we were on a tour bus in my mind. I, and I'm visualizing all of this while I'm driving across the desert, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, this is the kind of experience that I want. So they finally get ready to call the winner and they call us. And I just remember how ecstatic I, I was so hype. I threw my hat in the air. I, to this day, I don't know where my hat is. It's some random person could be wearing it. It could have disintegrated. I don't know. That's how hype I was. I did not even care. I didn't care about the money. Matter of fact, I ever let the soldiers have it because I was so hype that we won it. And then from that point on, I knew that that's what I wanted to do every day of my life. Fast forward a little bit. I moved back from Germany after I get out of the army in Germany. I go back to Birmingham and I'm doing every odd end job. I'm I'm doing life insurance. I'm doing personal training. I even work for the sheriff's department. I did every odd end job that you could think of mm-hmm. while while trying to pursue music. Mm-hmm. I linked up with some of my guys, some of my hometown friends some of my, when I grew up. And um, they I, they had an R&B band. Mind you, I'm not good. I, I'm not good. I don't even know the names of the chords, nothing. I was not good. I just knew that it was a passion of mine. So they, were, they, they gave me like 40 songs to learn. I remember locking myself in the house and just, I, didn't, I only came out to use the bathroom and barely eat. And so they hazed <laughs> me when I went to the first rehearsal. They was like, man, you raw, but <laughs> we'll, we'll work with you. We'll help you polish up your gift. And I did the chitlin circuit all over the South. I was in Birmingham. I was in Nashville. I was in Atlanta. I was in all over Arkansas. I did the whole Chitlin circuit, kind of refining my gift until a point that I got to where I was just like, I remember getting a call to come to LA. This was years, years ago um, to do the BET um, experience, like the whole BET weekend. And one of the artists that I played for, I remember playing in Soundcheck and everybody was like, oh man, who is this dude? Where are you from, man? I'm like, man, I'm from Birmingham. They say, everybody said, if you move out here to LA, you'll never not work. And I just, that stuck with me. I mm-hmm. was like, man, do, do, what do I do? Like, I, because I knew the cost of living was different. I knew I would just, just got out of a previous relationship. I had kids from my previous relationship. I didn't know what to do. So I was at a crossroad and I was just like, man, do I bet on myself? Do I try to come out here to make it? Whatever. So I, I remember saving up my money and I said, I give myself a year. If it didn't work out in a year, I'll move back to Birmingham and do what I was doing. And that's how I initially got here. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can go ahead and take it. <laughs> or do I continue so I can talk about how we met? Yeah, you can go, go ahead. All right. So um, I'm here in LA. It sucks when I first get here. I'm in Long Beach and I'm just like, man, the traffic is horrible. And you moved with your whole band. So. Yeah. So uh, like my whole band, we moved. We're in a studio apartment in Long Beach, like four of us. We having to sleep on the floor, and I remember like one of um, the homies had a, a dog. He was dog sitting, and the dog would like literally lick us in the face in the middle of the night. And I was just so frustrated. I was like, "Why <laughs> is this dog licking me in the face?" 
So we had to share one car. It was, I mean, it was bad. We were grinding, but we had to do what we had to do. So we finally moved closer to the city. And I'm like, okay, we're in this city. We did all of the networking um, possible. And I remember going to this one audition, not even an audition, I went to this jam session. And um, we had we were the last band to come up and play. And we play like, how does it feel? Mind you, people that know me or those that are listening, my background is like R&B and gospel. So anything that feels like gospel or R&B, I'm about to smash that joint out the park. And they we play, how does it feel? And I was like, it was like, I'm at the home run derby where they're just kind of like lofting up. It was like an alley-oop. They just tossing me. I'm like, perfect. So we played it. And the host was like, man, he just stopped the show. He was like, yay, wait, 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 wait. And he singled me out. He was like, I don't know about nobody else on the stage. (laughs) I'm going to curse. He said, I don't know about nobody on the stage. But he said, you, you going to make it. It, That's the clean version. That's the clean version. I didn't say say what he said. (laughs) But, um. For for those that are like you know keeping it in the, in the G P G frame, he said pretty much he said you're gonna make it, and that that stuck with me, and that's was like okay cool I I felt confident mind you I still had not got a major gig or anything like that but that was my grind. A few few weeks later, I get this message on one of my videos while I'm still grinding. You know it's tough. I'm out here. I'm on an air mattress. We just I'm I'm like living <laughs> life like we just I'm talking about grinding. Three roommates. Yeah, three roommates were just grinding. And I get this message. And they transitioned to L.A. from Long Beach, but at this point. Yeah, so I'm in L.A. now. I transitioned from Long Beach. And I'm actually in L.A., L.A. Um, and I get this message from this uh, this fine tenderoni that says, like, oh, my God, the way you was playing guitar. And I was like, well, Hold on. It was like, oh, my God, the way. No, nah. I think it was more like. Wow, you're really talented. And it nah, was just a place of honor. Don't minimize it. I think there was a little, what? you had no. a little extra on it. No. Yeah, you did. No. Yeah. No. You were like the way you play. Okay, let me tell you why. I was raised by um, a dad who plays the drums. So I always had an appreciation for music. However, I didn't love guitar. Acoustic guitar I thought was cool, but I thought electric guitar was like whack because I was just used to hearing electric like rock and, and then that didn't appeal to me but I never heard like R&B guitar the way you play it never yeah. I'd never been exposed to that so when I heard it and we had mutual friends um in common and I heard you playing and I'm like wow like this is a whole different thing. I've never heard this before. So I was paying you a compliment. But the way the way you just said it, you you conveyed that with your words as you were typing it. So I felt the energy. <laughs> I was like, man. So I, I, I immediately I had to go see what you look like because I was just like, okay, cool. So I saw what you looked like, and, I, and then I saw you in San Diego, which is like two hours from me. So I was just I was on cloud nine. Could nobody tell me nothing. I was so hyped, and I was around the the apartment showing like the homies, like, "Oh my god, she's so fine! Look at her eyes! Oh my god! Oh my god!" So then I was wondering, I was like, I did a little bit more research, and I saw these earrings. She had on these hoop earrings in her pictures. So I was like, in my mind, I'm like, she probably talked to black. Oh God, that's That's so embarrassing. That's what I thought because I don't care. I mean. I have been attracted to, or whatever, all different races. I don't discriminate. Yeah, you do. 
You do discriminate. If it ain't me, you discriminate. Well, now, but I'm just saying I wasn't like, anyway, whatever. So that's what I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to shoot my shot. I just want to say, for the record, I'm the kind of person where, like, you just love who you love and you like what you like. Same here. But I think it's super whack. There are like there are white girls out there that are, there that are like I only like black guys or whatever. I just think that's super whack. I know that's not your personality. I I'm just, just saying want, the initial. I, but the people don't know that. And okay, I want them so to the know. people don't know. So my I'm just saying my initial perception. I'm brand new to this. Like I would even call it a relationship with just conversation. And I'm trying to see if I can shoot my shot if it's going to actually <laughs> land. Or if I'm just going to be like, whatever. Which is so funny. Let me just say this. The fact that you thought that way, now looking back, it's because of how you were raised and where you were raised. You being from the South. Me, I didn't ever look at that. I didn't ever like look at you and be like, I wonder if he talks to white girl. I was just like, you like who you like. Well, I mean, I understand it. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. Let's just make a a beeline. Let's not even be be a whole other topic to divert a little bit. So I'm from Alabama. So as you already know, or those that may have may not know, there is segregation and all that stuff. It does not exist, but there's like a, a underline where you don't kind of step outside of your race. Or if you do, there could be trouble. So growing up, I knew that it was going to be a little it was difficult. So it didn't matter if I if I liked a white girl, if I liked a if I liked a black girl, there was no issue. But let's say if I liked a white girl, I the where I where I grew up in Birmingham, I grew up on the other side of the tracks where I lived in a predominantly white area. I did not live in inner city Birmingham. I went to church in inner city Birmingham, but I did not live in inner city Birmingham. I lived in the county. I lived in the suburbs. When my dad bought a house. He didn't know where he was. this was going to be built up. He talked about all these woods and we're going hunting. And then when we got there, it was just like, what? This is like a brand, like everything is like around here. It was nothing but white people. So I went to school with nothing but white people. I was around exposed to nothing but white people. So when you're in whatever area you're in, you like who you like because that's who you see. Right, but okay. You just now talking about inner city. I only ever knew about this concept of like inner city being one race over the other from watching TV because in Canada, there's no, at least where I'm from, the city I'm from, there's no inner city that belong like that is predominantly, I mean, first of all, racial issues in Canada are completely different. It's not the same as it is here. Black people are perceived much differently in Canada than they are in America and so I didn't have, I didn't come along with those same stereotypical assumptions, you know. So it, and still, when I hear you talk about certain things, I'm like, that's so crazy. Like that, I don't, it's so I mean, it's, far it's just removed. what it is. So to give you a little concept, I mean, we've already talked about this, but those who don't know. So Birmingham, initially, all the white people lived in the city. After a while, when blacks started to have, like when they got rid of the everything in the 60s, the blacks started to be able to live in the in the city just like white people. They started to be able to buy land, property, everything. Meanwhile, in Canada, it was not like that at all. I understand. So yeah. I'm just telling you like how everything was shaped. So what happened was when the black people started to live in the city, mm-hmm. whites wanted to move out to the suburbs. Right. They wanted to occupy space in the suburbs and build that out and then kind of let the black people kind of occupy it in the city. So when I moved to Birmingham in 91, 
there was, you lived in the suburbs. That was kind of where all the white people lived. There were a few pockets of blacks, but it was so sparse. When I went to elementary school, there were only two black people in the school. It was me and my brother. That was it. Nobody else was black that was in the school. Yeah. Everybody else was white. So that's all I knew from fifth grade through high school. I was I grew up with these white kids. I was around white kids. I was around white people. So my father would tell me all the time, like, I guess um, because he heard about the whole Emmett Till situation that I didn't, uh, that wasn't privy to that until I grew up and I understood it. He was like, you got to be careful. You can't be out here talking to no white girls or liking white girls or doing whatever. And I was just like, in my mind, I'm like, why, why are you telling me I can't like who I can't like? Not understanding that how there was a lot of racial tension. And regardless if the white girl liked you or not, you're not, you can't cross a certain boundary. There is no studying. You can't go study at their house. There's no hanging out after school. None of that. You just had to like come home, focus on your schoolwork. And that was it. Like you had to let school be school. And even while you're at school, there's no relationship that you can form while you're at school that would carry over. There's no boyfriend, girlfriend type of situation. Not that you can't like be friends, but that's where it stops. So for me, that's my perception. Like, did I talk to white girls? Yes. Did I try to push the envelope? Yes. But did it manifest in anything? No. Like, I, my high school sweetheart was a black girl that I, that went to inner city school. Like, that was a person that, because I knew my parents were not going to go for that. Times were different. Times have changed completely now where we are, um, even with my parents and, like, the fact that, like, even in my our immediate family, our, our family is inner, like it's integrated, it's blended. Like we have yep. two people um, that are white in our family. Like it just is yep. what two, there's like. Totally, totally different. Yeah, totally different. You have a Southern white girl yeah. and you have a Canadian white girl. <laughs> and then my brother has two kids that are biracial. Yeah. One that's black and Mexican and one is white and black. So it's just like yeah. our, family, our family is like, it's multi, it's like a melting pot. It's really cool mm-hmm. um, when you see pictures and you're just like, wow, we got that much exposure. So to speed up to where you and I have a conversation. I'm looking at you and I'm trying to decide because I know that the, the era and the times are different and, you know, blacks and whites talking, you know, Cali's more of a, a liberal state versus where I came from, more conservative. And I just, you know, you didn't know. So I looked at your picture and I was just like, mm, yeah, I think I could shoot my shot. <laughs> and that's really, that's really what it was. It was just like, I was trying to gauge off of your picture. If I shot my shot, would it be received well or could it be taken out of context? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I shot my shot. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. how you doing? Like, I, 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 I think you, you reminded me that I said I liked you. Yeah, I think you said that when we talked on the phone. You said yeah, you like me. And I'm like, whoa, I so, think I like you too. <laughs> when we first started talking, we were like messaging each other like on Facebook. But then I was like, yo, you got an iPhone? And you were like, yeah. And the biggest thing that was happening at that particular time was Catfish. The show was popping. And what I did not want to was like, and I know it was early, was to like um, invest my time and my energy into somebody and to be like a catfish. I was like, I was yeah. not going for that. So I was like, yo, you got an iPhone? You were like, yeah. I said, let's FaceTime. And you were like, I think you, it felt like you were a little hesitant. I knew you were at work. You were just like. No, wasn't, I was at home, I think. Nah, I think you were at work because you were like, when you get off. And oh. we, yeah, so you were at work while we were messaging okay. initially. Then you were like, when I get off, whatever, okay. we could talk. Probably then. And so, and then when we faced him, I was like, dang, she looked just like a picture. I'm good because that's all I needed to make sure that you weren't like some creepy looking dude 
<laughs> or whatever, or like you didn't look like your picture. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't. I've seen the show Catfish, and some of them episodes be mad wild, and I did not want to have to experience that. Yeah. All right, so that's how we met. Do you want to talk about? Well, I can talk about my journey. So the, my main reason for coming to LA was I wanted to make it. So yeah. when I used to be back in Birmingham, I played for a lot of different artists on the ch- the Chitlin circuit. And when people would ask who I was playing for, I would name the names and I could see in their face, they had no idea who I was talking about. <laughs> and I'd be trying to sing the songs. I'm, I'm pr- practically tap dancing and singing the song. And it's, you know, I think they felt bad for me. So they'd be like, oh yeah. But I knew in my heart of hearts, they had no idea who I was talking about. Yep. So even when I was in the army, I was like, man, one day I'm going to make it. I'm going to be famous. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to play for artists. I'm going to be on stages all over the world. I'm going to be in magazines. Like that was my dream. And so I knew LA was going to be a place that could really foster that dream. So I came here to LA in order to play for artists, to eventually produce, eventually make a name for myself to the point where I wanted to be a household name. I wanted to influence the musical community. That's what my my dream and my goals and my aspirations were. Mm-hmm. And I knew LA was the vehicle in order to get there. And so when you and I started talking, I was like, okay, so you have an entertainment background. Like, what do you want to do with that? Mm-hmm. Because when we, we got even more serious and we talked about getting married, I was like, I love San Diego because it's so peaceful. But it's like there's nothing we can do in San Diego. We can't pursue like the entertainment dreams in San Diego. We have to yeah. be in LA. Yeah. And so when we made that transition, like where where was your mindset about what you wanted to do? I mean, yeah. Do? Well, I, I remember I was kind of like, Oh, what am I what am I gonna do? Because I'd been out of it for such a long time and focused on just paying the bills. Yeah. And um so I had sort of an epiphany moment when I was looking for jobs in L.A. because we were going to get married. So I was like, oh, well, I'll start looking for jobs up there and see what I can get. And at that time, I was pursuing uh, public relations. And then I talked to somebody and, and she said something to me and it just clicked. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to go pursue. Mm-hmm. So... When we first talked about it, I was like, hey, you know, this is what I think I should do and I can get an internship, but that would mean that I'm not going to be paid. And then that can potentially lead to, you know, me having my own PR company and which it did. Yeah. You know, to be fair. So I did intern for a while with your blessing and, um, and then I started my own PR company, uh, which I could talk about. There's so much I could say. I mean, it was great. And there's so many awesome things that happened. But a lot of people, there's a lot of actors, obviously, and a lot of musicians and singers and whatever in LA. And everybody thinks they're ready for a publicist. And a lot of them are not ready. Yeah. Financially or even in their career. So... Um, when you're talking about people like at the A list, B list, C list level, like those people understand the importance of yeah. good uh, PR mm-hmm. and how necessary it is. But when you're just starting out, there's no need for it. Anyway, so I had a couple of clients. I made some money doing it, and I kind of got burnt out because uh, it's just it wasn't steady and. 
there were a few other things going on. And so I was just like, you know what? I think I need to just work right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of like leaned back on the experience that I had, you know, in every other field that my transferable skills. And I started working um, through a temp agency at a bunch of different studios and networks. So it was like I could marry the two things. I could use my transferable skills, but still be able to work in the entertainment field. So I worked um, at a bunch of places and I discovered, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm really enjoying this and being in these environments and, you know, to as a kid, if you would have told me that I'd be working at like DreamWorks and Sony and all of those places, I would have thought, "Wow, are you kidding?" Like, right. so it's great. Um, it's a, it's been a great accomplishment for me. Now I have other dreams and aspirations and goals to work toward. Right. And you know, those are things I will achieve. But <clears throat> so anyway, for me to pursue those things, it was great to be here to do it. Yeah, I mean. For me, if I, if you would have told me years ago that like, I I, I mean I, I made a post about this on social media. If you would have told me years ago that I was going to be successful, I, I would have like had to stop myself and be like, yeah, you did tell yourself. But I think I superseded even my own expectations. Also, I don't think back if like let's be honest, you did not know what it would actually take. No, I didn't know. I realized the sacrifice. I will tell you this. I used the same principles that I used in the military. All the sacrifice, all the stuff I did to get the basic training, all of the different situations when I was at war. I told myself, if I can do this for the government, I can do this for for myself. I can lock in and have that same sort of tenacity and intensity when it comes to pursuing my goals and my dreams. Got to be that same level of dedication and discipline to go after. I wanted to give myself a realistic shot. I didn't want to be out here and like, kind of half-handedly go through the motion and be like, oh, I lived in LA and I played for like one person and that's enough. That wasn't enough for me. I wanted to, if I'm going to be away from my family, especially the boys, I wanted to be like, give them to be something to look at and be like, my father, he made it. Like he did it in such a way that, mm-hmm. I don't know. And even though to now know that like, I've got so much influence when it comes to like the guitar community, um, building my own brand, having my own online school, the number one R&B school online, playing for so many artists, traveling the world, doing what I love. Yeah. I remember um, thinking about like my passport, the fact that I got to go back to Europe to play guitar when I used to live in Europe, but I was a soldier. That to me was a surreal moment. One of my first major gigs um, playing for an artist um, and being in Morocco in front of 150,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that. Like it I remember, like, we were together. Yeah, <clears throat> when got you call. got that call, mm-hmm. and we both fell to the floor and in disbelief. Each other like and I was in disbelief scream. because you never know. This is one thing that I learned about this game. If you're really hard working and you're dedicated and you're a good people person, and you you're willing to like almost you have to. It's like being a, a servant where you have to you know. Get in there any kind of way you can, and and I, when I, the way that I came into the game, I came in as being a sub for a lot of people, and I didn't come in trying to be like, "Let me get your yeah. gig, I'm better than you." Just building that relationship, and then people saw like I had a genuine heart. He works really hard, and I was still raw. 
I mean, I wasn't like, oh, man, he's so cold on the guitar. I had a lot of learning to do, but I was willing to put in the work. It didn't matter if I had to stay yeah. after rehearsal, go early, whatever the case may be. Like, even understanding about gear and getting the right kind of equipment, I didn't have everything I needed to have. I, I was just, I wanted it that bad. And whatever it cost, I was going to do it Yeah. in order to get to that level. And just to see when we look back and we reflect, like, you know, um, the articles and the different gigs and passport stamps and different lanyards from the performances, like my mind is always blown. And I would say, you know, we might not have um, been able to achieve everything that we did and that we have without each other. Actually. No, we, that's what I'm saying. That's how I know that our defined appointment was necessary. I would not have gained when you think about it, like you having that PR background and just being able to, expose me to that world and plug me. I, I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. They, but you, you had the work ethic to put yourself into, you know, position. Of course. But that's when I realized like it takes a team. Like if yeah. you think about like even all of the actors and actresses that you see that walk on the red carpet, there's a machine behind them. There's a team for those that win like the golden globes yeah. or the different Oscars. There's a team. Yep. You know, sometimes you'll see some of the actors and actresses like, you know, acknowledge their team. But I knew that I couldn't do this by myself. I can't, I mean, I could play guitar by myself, but I can't win uh, any kind of awards if it's just me. I need a, a band. I need a publicist. I need management. I need everything in order to be successful. And yeah. you and I work so well together to where it's a, it's a, it's like a well-doing machine. And I think we understand our roles. And so we're able to really work well together. Yeah. And, like, I wouldn't have been able to pursue some of the things that I wanted to do without your support. Yeah. And without your pushing me, you Yeah, know? I mean, I saw greatness in you. And I think that because of different experiences in your life, you had some self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, yo, this, I'm not going to let that fly. I see all this potential in you. Even if I've got to pull you to the finish line, I'm going to pull you or push you in enough, to, you know, to where you can, like, get the wind underneath you and you can start flying yourself or you can realize that you can do it. And that's, it was beautiful to see you like walk into like um, your, your destiny and walk into your purpose and your passion. Thank you. Yeah. And you're fine too. So, you know, <laughs> you're not so bad yourself. Not so bad. You better give I me mean, a little more story credit. Than literally that. all day today. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, you are so fine. Like, Ooh. you, mm, mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> you have no shortage of compliments when it comes from thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think so. It's easy for us to say this because we have had each other. It's been hard. It's not been an easy road. No. Like he said, he was living in an apartment with three roommates on an air mattress. And I moved in here. This, that's how I know it was real. She was like, all right, this is what we got to do. And I was like, what? The power will be out. Remember when the power was out? Yeah, the power was out. For like days. Yeah. I mean, there was all kinds of things. Yeah. All kinds of... Th- okay, if you want to move to LA to chase your dreams. Yeah, you're going you to have to struggle. Like, I mean, most, one, most people are going to have to struggle. It is so freaking expensive here. Yeah. Like, on another level. Even now, I mean, we've been here for like, Years and we, yeah. we still complain. We're self sufficient. I mean, we have, we thankfully, we we complain about it, but we have it. 
Yeah, we have it. We just complain about it because it doesn't make sense. But it is, yes. It's like just because you have it doesn't mean that you want to spend, spend it. it. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, I could ha- have a whole house. Yeah. I yeah. could have a whole house. <laughs> With property. <laughs> oh, my God. Which we will. That, we will. I used to tell you that all the time. I said, I, I come from a place where like what we're paying for rent. Like that's a mortgage payment. Are you kidding me? A house with like property, like a big, super big house with property. Super big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, for those of you who may want to just move to a new city, there's a lot to consider and we may not touch on it in the next like five minutes here, but yeah. um, there is a lot to consider. And yeah, we, do your homework. We just do your just, homework. Do we your were, due diligence. Mm-hmm, we were very blessed to be able to find each other yeah. and to to have that. Now, maybe you can move with a friend. He moved with friends. It didn't really work didn't out. Didn't really work out. Unfortunately. Um, but you can't move to LA and live on your own and do your own thing. Without any support. With you no can't support. do it. Yeah, you can't do it. Even if you save your money, I'm trying to tell you, unless you are like... A trust fund baby. A trust fund baby. Yeah. It's going to be most difficult. most of us are not. Nah, I'm definitely no trust fund kid. It is difficult. So even... I, I mean, I think what really got me once was I was working in uh, one of my roles and my boss who is, well, two of my bosses at the time were attorneys. And we were talking and they were talking about, like one of them was talking about his apartment. And I was like thinking, hold on, you're my boss and you are an attorney yeah. and you live in an apartment? Yeah. Like this is not, there's like. There's no winning. There's no winning. <laughs> yeah, LA can be very depressing when it when it comes to your living situations because you you think that you see these people on TV and some people have nice houses, but it costs so much money yeah. to live here. It's just like it doesn't. You, make you sense. have to have like a real plan and goal. Like I don't know, you you be a doctor or like <laughs> the best director in Hollywood or yeah. whatever. I'm just saying, realistically, yeah, it's tough and. LA is great for a lot of things, and mm-hmm. I think we've really enjoyed the yeah, time that we've been here. Um, but you know, if we want to have a house or whatever, and a yard, and yeah. a community that's safe to raise our children in, yeah, you, you have to understand why you want to come to LA. If you understand what it is, if yeah. you're here to trace a dream, perfect, perfect place. Like. You're gonna get have you to get you some roommates. Get you some roommates. No, just prepare like to fasten your chin strap and buckle your boots up because you're gonna have to grind. That LA is perfect for that. If you want to go, if you have any kind of idea and like vision of what you want to do, LA can foster that. It can definitely help you manifest that. Now, if you're looking to try to like raise a family per se, in our opinion, I don't think LA is necessarily the place for you. But if you have a dream, you have a goal. There are people that do it. They no, move. No, no, yeah, there are people Usually that do it. either they live in apartments. We know yeah. people. Yeah. They live in apartments or they move out way out in the valley somewhere or yeah. way out somewhere else. And I mean, if you, it, that, not everybody can do that. Yeah, not everybody can. And then you'll be commuting. Yeah. If you have a job, job. So yeah, I would say do your homework. I mean, we, we were two kids from two smaller hometowns that moved to LA. We we found each other and we've been very successful. Like if you if 
you like I said, we've talked about this before. If you would have ever yeah. talked to our younger selves, we would have never guessed that we would be this successful in this city where everybody comes here to try to make it. Yeah. We actually did. Yeah, we did. And we're still grinding. We're still we're still making our way. We're still establishing our brand. We're still making a name for ourselves. But we came here like with the dream like everybody else. And we somehow, through the grace of God, his favor, his he, I mean, I tell you all the time, God opened up so many doors that I can't even explain to you. I mean, yeah, I'm talented and yeah, I'm skilled, but it, there's some things that, you know, God has to open a certain door and has to build a relationship, has to build a bridge. So that way you can, you can get there and actually exercise your gift. Mm-hmm. And he did it. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Oh, I almost got, almost got quickened. Almost got quickened. I think that, we can wrap this one up. We yeah. can go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, definitely. And it's we would never deter people from moving here. Nah. LA is a great city. It has awesome, it, I mean great weather. Yeah. And it has some great outdoor living, you know. I just want you to be realistic. Yeah, you just have you have to be realistic or yeah. you will have to turn right around and go back home. Yeah. And um thankfully we if and when we leave LA, yeah. it will be on our own terms, not right. because we couldn't hack it or whatever. It'll be because we were making the decision to. Yeah, when that time comes. To have more. Yeah. But uh, LA has been great to us. I think uh, if you guys have any specific questions about, you know, what it's been like living in LA and transitioning from a smaller place to being here and the day to day of what that looks like, please let us know. Reach out to us. Yeah, do that. All right, you can follow us on at Shades of You Podcast on Instagram, yep, on Facebook, uh huh, YouTube, uh huh, and uh, yeah. Do you have anything to throw in? Yeah, if you want to follow us, like on our individuals, like I'm at Carrie Too Smooth, and I'm Cat from Canada. So Carrie with a K. So K-E-R-R-Y, the number two, S-M-O-O-T-H. And me, it's K-A-T from Canada. All right. I think that's it. All right. Peace, everybody. Peace. See you next week. All right.